Toto. I have a feeling we're not in Kansas anymore. You're listening to Out of Oz, a podcast from Building 28 Church. Welcome back to Out of Oz, a Building 28 church podcast where we confront the fantasies and fallacies of modern day Christian culture with compassion, conviction, and courage. Today, we're confronting the questions of the people. We're going to give them the answers that they want. And it's going to be fun. It's going to be a Q&A episode. We're going to do rapid fire. We don't have time to break them down with a full hour long podcast like we usually do. Um, Aaron, tell us about some of the questions that might not make it on our list. Okay, so we had we actually put out feelers uh, in the last two weeks. And and look, you guys responded, and it was awesome. We had a ton of questions come in based on the 24 episodes from season one. And so um, some of them are going to be pushed purposely to season two and be their own freestanding episodes. And so in season two, we have things like, are Roman? I mean, these are these are legitimate questions we've gotten. Are Roman Catholics true Christians? Again? Um, hey, hey, you know what? Don't Sorry. let the cat out of the bag. Sorry. There, it's calm, calm down. Sixteen forty seven. Oh, you're right. And, you're uh, right. and uh, we have: Should Christians sing the songs and enjoy mm. the music of Hillsong and Bethel and Elevation? Honestly, there's there's a ton of different points that we're going to be addressing here. Um, that, if I'm honest, I'm, racism as a history, racism as a history within the church. Yeah. What are some of the ones you're going to be? Uh, Doing for us their powers. Yeah, I mean we've got a we've got a slew of topics coming up. Some we'll mention throughout. We'll tease we'll, throughout. Women, women as pastors in the church. Yep. Women, women ministry. And what do roles that can women? Infant have? baptism versus believers baptism. Yep. Yeah. And how only one side can yep. be right, and we know what side that is. We do know um, for sure how to handle toxic people. <laughs> how to handle toxic people. So anyway, we uh, have a ton, a ton of. So if you ask a question, you submitted a question over the last couple of weeks, and it does not get answered in the next forty minutes or so here. It is most likely because it was pushed to season two to be part of an episode. So anyway, but thanks so much for submitting questions. It's yeah. Fine. So, so Aaron, before we get into the specific, the topic specific questions, a question we got throughout the season, um, both of us, all of us is really, what is the purpose of the podcast? Why did we start it? And how do you come up with the guests? Like how does superpowers end up here? Like every week besides well, his good looks well, and how much we if like. Anyone, oh, yeah. If anyone listens to super for more than just like 30 seconds, they know why he's here. They, they know. And if you're watching on YouTube, you, you know, doubly know why doubly. he's here. Now he, I know he, that that happened. He brings the, pit, the pretty to our pain here <laughs> oh on the God. podcast. So, uh, no, uh, honestly, when we approached the idea of a podcast, it was really threefold. And I believe that we accomplished those threefold purposes um, this season. Uh, one, it was to have good conversation. I mean, if you listen to any other podcast, you, you kind of know this, but most podcasts where there's multiple host or guest, it's a conversation on cultural, especially if it's a church podcast, on theological, um, on hot topics that people within the church are asking. And so we wanted just to converse around these things and kind of show Christians how we should converse, hopefully, um, in a fun and light, but yet biblically accurate way. A second thing was yeah. we want to promote critical thinking. Most people today only listen to people they already agree with in the theological realm, in the political realm. And so, so they're not exercising critical thinking. They're just being infused with what they already know and just their arguments are being kind of bolstered in their mind. Like an echo chamber. Yes, exactly. An echo chamber. And so to me, it was 
let's, let's at times, if we can find them, present guests who have differing opinions on some things um, so that it will drive us to critical thinking. It might change our mind, which is not a bad thing. Simple reformando, right? We're mm-hmm. always reforming, always yep. changing based on yep. scripture. But or it might just solidify where we already are. Um, so that's good. And then finally, what we want to do is really be instructional. And, and certainly some episodes hit this more than others. But we want to be instructional to the church, our church specifically, Sunrise, other local churches, churches around the world, yeah. that when they're asking some of these questions, we can have a robust answer. So sometimes the, the answer is not is, is a bit more ambiguous. It's not as black and white. But other times we've been able to hit it head on and offer maybe a countercultural, but I pray biblically accurate answer to these questions. So that's really what the purpose of the podcast is. And that that helps to answer, I think, the question of, man, who, why do we select who we select? Look, I, I am, I don't think it's any secret. I'm more of an introvert. I'm more to myself. And, and I end up hanging out with Peter and Adam and, and a lot of the people you've seen on the podcast, men and ladies who are friends of my wife or, or wives of leaders in the church. And so it's just people that I'm naturally in conversation with a lot of times, unless I am presented someone who has experience in a subject matter. And so really, I'm just reaching out to people that I've, I'm, I'll, I'll be in conversation and I'm not a chatty, small talk guy. I like to go deep. And so yeah, uh, this is supposed to be rapid fire. And sorry. we're already like seven minutes. Into <laughs> yeah, you know what? I'll be in conversation with somebody and then I'll just be like, you know, what? this would be great to have on the podcast. Like, yeah. Let's come on the podcast next week and let's talk about this. So that's really where it comes down to. Um, and I want to yeah. get Adam's perspective as a somebody who wasn't um, involved in like starting it and what the purpose of it was, but who's been on a bunch and who's going to be on a bunch in the future. What's kind of your thought as to you see the use and purpose of the podcast? Well, I find it very helpful in my own context at Sunrise Community Church. Uh, we're an expository preaching church. We work through books of the Bible, just like you guys, verse by verse at a time. And sometimes I get the question, why don't we deal with the hot button cultural issues of the day more? Why is it so infrequently mentioned at the pulpit here? And I want to say, well, we are eager to deal with those things when they come up in the text most naturally, because you can force them in to anywhere. And I think that this podcast and those like it really do meet that little niche Mm -hmm. of what should we be thinking on the current issues and how do we avoid overreactions? How do we avoid um, pigeonholing people? How do we critically think about the issues that matter from a robustly biblical position, which in our day is getting foggier and foggier? It seems this podcast, I think, helps uh, clarify some of those issues. It's not as foggy as we think. I think I think as simply put as we can, Sunday mornings, at least in my mind, exist for transformational purposes. It's okay. it, to transform the congregation, yes, through the instruction of the word and for a corporate worship. Whereas a podcast like this exists primarily for instructional purposes. Not that it can't be transformative, but it, it exists to kind of like a Sunday school class where you're gathering and you're oh, inst- instructing and helping to parse through these things. So, for sure. Right. And before we get into the specific um, podcast episodes that have specific questions, we have like 25 we've picked from all the ones that have come through, mostly Aaron picks. So if you have a problem, take it up with him. Um, we like 60 as usually they each. do. So yeah, so we're going to go as quick, quickly as we can through them. And I'm probably just going to ask either Adam or Aaron the question. So you might not get both perspectives on everything. But to start out, Adam, kind of an overarching question that, oh, wow. that we got was, how should Christians judge their fellow believers? What's an appropriate way to do that? According to scripture and in charity. Okay. According to scripture, what does scripture tell us to do? 
the standards in scripture, what does, what does God require of us? What yes. does he command of us? It's clear in scripture. Therefore, because we read that for ourselves in life together, we also are aware of the things that God holds our brothers and sisters accountable to. And if we're truly in life with them, we should also in kindness and gentleness, Galatians 6.1, um, seek to so not only pursue our own ho- holiness, but the holiness of those around us. So like you mean that. like when they're acting contrary to scripture? In contrary, when they go against right. or in affirmation and encouragement when they're in line with. Gotcha. But someone okay. says, judge not, right? The, the favorite Matthew 7, 1. I'm just saying like, sure. that, I think that's where this comes from is sure. that that's, that's the problem that exists is, well, it says don't judge. Ultimate judgment. Yeah. If we keep uh, the Matthew 7 text and Galatians 6, 1 uh, in harmony with one another. So judge not lest you be judged and um, correct your brothers and sisters in a spirit of gentleness. Yeah. I think that that automatically means not erring on one side or the other because we have people that don't judge and we have people that all they do is judge. Right. Um, we need to uh, do life with one another insofar as we recognize that we are beset with the same weaknesses and failures and sins. To me, this is easy as just like a Christian to see like if you love somebody and care about them, then act accordingly, yeah, right? So if totally. you care about them, you're going to try yep. to help them through yep. or point out something that's wrong or like you said, encourage them when they're going down the good path. Yeah. And if you don't care about them, you'd rather just not, not ruffle And Matthew feathers, 7 sure. is set against the backdrop of hypocrisy. So I would add without yeah. hypocrisy. Get, right. the, get the beam out of your own eye first right. Right. before you try to like dislodge the, the splinter from mm-hmm. another brother or sister's eye. Right, right. As opposed to coming at it like you're better than them because you're judging yeah. them. That's never in love and gentleness. Right. Like, And that's, that's not the way. Okay. Yeah. So demonic activity, Aaron. Yeah. We'll get you since this is right up your alley. How do we recognize <laughs> real demonic influence? We talked about this in the episode. I think there's a couple of things we have to look for. I think pollution of the gospel. It, it, if we're talking about our culture here in the United States today. Now, possession is different, but I tend to think, as we talked about, temptation is much more prevalent than possession in our, in our culture. When we're talking about influence, we're talking about a pollution of the gospel within the church. We're talking about a justification of sin within the church. Um, these are ways, it doesn't always have to be demonic, but whenever we see that, there should be extreme caution in us. When we see somebody not sinning, we all sin, but justifying that sin, a preacher justifying that sin um, continually through their teaching, a pollution of the gospel. These are some of the ways that we spot it. Look, this is a good question came in, but I don't think there's, at least for me, I don't think there is a black and white answer on how do we spot it when we ought to know the word as well as we can. We ought to be in, in step with the spirit so that when error of any kind, whether it is demonically infused or it's just, you know, humanistic in nature, we can spot it. We can call it out. And, and Do you think it's important it. to call it demonic activity? Like, I don't see any importance in that. Like, I think that the devil being at work can come in many forms. I, I, I don't think it's important to call it demonic activity. Do you I think, think, I I think like when Luther would say, this is from the bowels of hell, or this is yeah. from, this is an attack from the devil himself, that type of thing. There's a weight that's carried with that. If we do it biblically accurate in okay. our day, where we say, this is not just like a little misstep here. Like this is a demonically inspired, like when we talk about not to spoil, but when we talk about some of the songs that are being written today and the practices of kind of new age cultic Christian mm-hmm. groups, it is demonic yeah, or yeah. cultic in nature. Some more clear and I think we others. need to call that out if we see For it. Sure. This is a practice of the occult. Like we need to call that out and, and not tolerate it. Adam, I hate my church. What should I do? I have a friend who did not leave their church well. Do I have a responsibility as a sister in Christ to call out their foolishness slash sin or judge them? Go back to our first question. Right. I think. That's yes. why I added that in. That wasn't in there. Yes, that you've me. got a responsibility to 
to talk to your friend about this in a spirit of understanding. So before you bring the rebuke, you've got to approach it with a posture like, look, I, I get it. You know, these things are hard. Churches mess up. Churches hurt lots of people. Uh, but in that light, we can't then overreact and just throw the baby and the bathwater out. And, uh, you know, think things like that. So for, for those yes. who didn't catch that, that was a baptism. If if we truly are loving one another, then we'll graciously call one another to a life. So yes, of there's a responsibility to talk to them for about sure. that and call yeah. that out. All right, Aaron, should Christians celebrate alcohol from that podcast? What percentage of drinking Christians do you think may be regularly violating their conscience? because of the amount of alcohol they consume in one sitting or the frequency of the drinking, and yet they don't exhibit drunkenness and may not actually be drunk at all. Okay. I, re- I wrestled over this question when it came in because it's impossible to know what percentage are violating their conscience. And just because somebody's conscience is not violated doesn't mean that they're not in sin. Like we know that there's oftentimes, whether it's alcohol or right. anything, right. where we'll engage in something and our conscience kind of seared or not sensitive to the gospel that doesn't mean it's okay just because we don't feel guilty or convicted about that. Um, I do think it's going on, especially in Reformed circles, probably a lot more Presbyterian than Reformed Baptist. Um, but uh, <laughs> no, I'm joking. Honestly, in, in yeah. Reformed Gospels, in, in the Reformed faith, where we have liberties in Christ, particularly in the realm of alcohol, where there are not just young men, but I would say young men in particular who flaunt that. I mean, it's, it's hard to say that we don't flaunt it when we say we should celebrate alcohol. But when I'm, what I mean by that is there is a parade of liberties before anybody watching, and there is an overindulgence and even a dependency on those things a lot of times. And so we ought to be open to those coming to us because we might be a blind spot. Like I said, our heart might not be convicted. We might not be violating our conscience, but we ought to be open to those we're close to who love us. If they come to us and say, hey, I'm seeing too much of dependency. I'm seeing an abuse here. I'm seeing um, signs of drunken behavior. Like those those are things, look, if, if you're not drunk, you're not drunk. And I know there's, there's a, we, we all might define drunkenness differently, but it's easy. I think alcohol is the soft target for people today. It's definitely a soft target for a pastor who says, that alcohol is, is a gift, but if they're not actually drunk, if they're not the answer actually drunk, is a high percentage. In case anybody's wondering, <laughs> that's, that's the answer. I, I don't. I don't, I don't know if I, I don't know if I agree with that. Yeah, I, I know you don't. I don't. But, I don't know if I agree with that. Um, so, Adam, same same podcast. How can Christians be careful to avoid abusing alcohol? Recognize the the end that it will take you. It will take you to sin. Therefore, we should avoid sin. And I think based on our own weaknesses, based on our own temperament, based on those around us, we should therefore then come to a conclusion of how we then interact with alcohol. And why I think it's important to point out that it's a high percentage, which should just put up red flags. Not saying, you know, you can never do it or whatever, but I mean, it's a high percentage. People don't realize how easily they can slide into sin, like you're saying. Yeah. Um, Okay. Last one on this podcast, and Aaron, you kind of alluded to it, that this that alcohol is an easy target. Yeah. Um, why doesn't the church treat obesity as a bigger issue? Why does the Southeast have a high obesity rate and at the same time have such a high church attendance rate? I don't know who asked that question, honestly. Um, I thought it was a good you. question. No, it was, it was not. Um, and by the way, we chose to 
to make all questioners anonymous on this purposely. Uh, we didn't want some to feel valued over others or some to be called out, or maybe we didn't know if people wanted um, to, to be recognized. Helpful so anyway, uh, it was it was anonymous. But I, th- I think it's a very good question because I think I've had conversations with a lot of different Christians on this on this matter. I think since the sexual revolution of the 60s and 70s, alcohol has been the demonized child of evangelicalism. And meanwhile, we have completely washed over and and pay no attention to gluttony, uh, overindulgence in multiple forms within the church, dependency upon things, addiction, um, especially to food. Like, like in the church, we'll call out addiction to a lot of things, but not to food because that that confronts our desires and our <laughs> and so I think there is a I think we talked about evangelicalism. We have to be really careful in the Southeast because there is a cultural Christianity that's not true biblical Christianity that has that really has justified anything that's not in that right wing Republican way of thinking, if I'm honest. Um so if if I am if I'm kind of conservative and traditional Gluttony is just part of part of life a lot of times, if I'm honest. Unfortunately, unfortunately, not for everybody, clearly, but unfortunately, and I think it needs to be called out. I, I think um the church has failed in that, is the is the short answer. The church has failed to like call that out, overindulgence and addiction, um, gluttonous behavior, and that we should do better in that. I think that we don't have enough time to discuss all yeah. of the potential debates around this, but it's so different from alcohol like so different from alcohol and even harder to point out. Like we think it's hard to point out. Maybe this person's drinking too much. I don't think it's that hard to point out or notice when someone's drinking too much. Eating too much is close to impossible. I mean, there are certain situations in the outliers where some my 800 pound life or whatever. But like in reality, I think it's way harder to show somebody's addicted to that or that it's causing them to sin like alcohol. I think it's way different personally. Look, I don't want to that's aff- a different, I'm that's not a different trying to episode. offend anybody. And I know you're always trying to keep me from offending anybody. I think there are signs physical and psychological signs with with alcohol addiction and with food addiction that we can try to justify and defend and get around. But there are signs that we should look at and go, there's an issue here. It needs to be addressed. Why are we so dependent upon food? Don't you think it's so much easier for alcohol to lead to sin than gluttony? If you're saying the same thing, like we can't define drunkenness. I'm not talking about the person getting a DUI manslaughter accident or falling over at the party. I'm talking about somebody that drinks too much and it's obvious or somebody that eats too much According to what no. you think. I would say no as yeah. well. Really? No. All right, no. we need to have a podcast on this. Uh, yeah. Um, okay, <laughs> Adam, should a, should a Christian attend a homosexual wedding? This no. one's fun. Um, <laughs> oh, sorry, this the is, not done. <laughs> this is not a question, but a statement that we'd like your response to. If you have to wrestle with the question of whether to support your friends or family when they find love, then something's wrong with you, not them. Wow. I get the question. And wow. I wouldn't. I don't think any of us would say something's wrong with them, first right. off, like this person says. Yeah, I get the question. It's it's very understandable. Um, but the question betrays maybe a misunderstanding of what true love is. Uh, you, you are for somebody wholeheartedly when you are gently correcting them in their sin. Um, you're not against them in that moment. You're not being homophobic in that moment. You're, you, you should, in gracious love and kindness, call people to obey what the Bible says if they say they're Christians. And so this is all part of the conversation. And uh, perhaps this goes into more the issue of the Christian struggle with being more influenced by the culture than scripture. I also think that it's really hard sometimes for us to try to follow what the Bible says. Like we all want to do that as Christians. And when the Bible says things like love God and hate your brother, yeah, 
it doesn't mean like hate and kill your brother, but right. it's a situation right. <laughs> like this where you, if you have to make choices as to yeah. who you're going to elevate higher, yeah. it always has to be God. Has to be. And then you're going to get situations like this where people, where people think you hate your brother. Yeah. Like you're, this could be your literal brother in your family right. and people are going to think you hate them because you're choosing God over them, yeah. which we don't. And we, we would not say, listen to the toxic people. Like we don't cut people off easily as Christians. Um, and so I, I, I think, I think really quick, the person who asked this question or people who have that question, if you had a, a relative who was, let's yeah. just say addicted to, to drugs and it was doing something physically destructive, no one, I don't think, would say there was love to let them continue to do that, to affirm that as much as they might love those drugs, as much as they might love that addiction that's going to physically destroy their bodies or emotionally or psychologically destroy. What we're doing here is we're raising the bar, not lowering it and saying the soul is more important than the body or the mind. If somebody is exercising or doing something that is destructive to their soul, biblically, according to that absolute that we submit ourselves to, then it is most loving to call them away from destructive behavior, not to affirm that destructive behavior. That's actually yep. anti-love. Which is included in being unequally yoked or having sex with yeah, your girlfriend sure. before. Yeah. I mean, it's all sorts of things. And gluttony. Like to call you homophobic. People like to call us homophobic or hate yeah. gate, which right. is just not true. Right. It's really just the sin they want to pick out yeah. and make us look bad like or gluttony. try to make us look bad. Right. Um, okay. Yeah. Uh, Aaron, should Christians take the COVID-19 vaccine episode? In the COVID-19 vaccine episode, it seems that most are promoting the vaccine to love people well, but aren't wearing masks, a way of loving people as well. And everybody knows Billing 28 doesn't force people to wear masks in service inside, even though some county ordinances still say to do so. I, I think if we're once again thinking critically, and we don't have time to get into it, but there is a difference, and you brought it up on the podcast, there is a difference between wearing a mask um, and taking a COVID vaccine uh, on, bo on both like one, one is easy on one side. It's easier to just throw a mask on. Also, it's not it doesn't affect our body as much. The science behind a vaccine seems to be much stronger. I'm, I'm not a scientist or medical professional, but it seems to be much stronger for a vaccine to help you than a mask. Uh, the jury's still out of mask and probably will be for a long time. How much they help you, how much they mitigate. And so. If you're skeptical with masks, which admittedly I am, don't hate me for it. That's another thing about, I'll just throw in, we all bring opinions to the table and there's, and there's, it's fine to disagree with those opinions. We're just living in, in a world today where if somebody has a different opinion, you just kind of cancel them and get rid of them. That shouldn't be the case. We should think critically, love our brothers well, if we have a difference of opinion. My opinion is I don't see, I haven't seen the research on the efficacy of masks. Um, and I'm very careful to not enforce upon the church something that I don't feel like the Bible would enforce or cannot be biblically proved from a principle. So I, I personally don't think it's more loving to wear a mask. Um, I don't think that I wouldn't force somebody or even promote getting the vaccine. I think if somebody gets that, that's great. That's great for them. I think that we should be prudent before the Lord and decide before the Lord, not based on my liberties, which is what the cry has been, not based mm -hmm. on what I want, but based on before the Lord in my conscience, what is most loving. Um, and sometimes it might be to tell the truth on some of these coronavirus related things instead of to follow a narrative. Um, that's how I'd answer. Okay. Adam, in, in the is church membership biblical episode, this question comes from there. What's the importance of having to sign an actual paper to be a covenant member? Don't you guys do like a blood covenant at sunrise? Red pill, blue pill type <laughs> type thing. Just like uh, Morpheus uh, yeah. <laughs> in the red chair. Um, no, we, we sign a church covenant at sunrise, not because a signature qualifies or disqualifies someone or truly brings someone in. 
but that it's a meaningful gesture of joining a covenant community. And I don't think it's a necessary one. I don't think churches have to do this. I think it's a good idea uh, because usually when someone signs their name to something, they, they take it a little bit more seriously than if they did not. And often when we encounter moments at our church where discipline or correction is needed, often we go back to the church covenant and their signature and say, you, you sign to live in this way among all of us. We, we all did. So really, this shouldn't be surprising that we're coming to talk to you right now. Remember what you've promised to do. I also think, and biblically, there was always a sign of the covenant. Like there was always a token involved, like in the Old Testament. Circumcision. <laughs> uh, I'll just, just set that one up there for you. Right? <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. And I think culturally, it, it just kind of is in line. Yeah. We sign contracts yeah. for everything that we it, do. It helps so. pastors to know who they're responsible for. Very much so. And so, just anybody who walks into my church, I don't have a responsibility for. But those who have gone through our membership you don't process. Have the same responsibility. I don't have the same responsibility. I have a responsibility to preach the gospel. I'm not accountable, not accountable before for their God to them. Yeah. Right, right. Yeah. yeah. All right. I'll let Amen. both of you guys answer this question. Fun. The potentially the worst episode we had. What? Should Christians read Harry Potter? That was yes! the best episode that we had, by the way. <laughs> the right Reverend Jeffrey Singer was on that episode. He was. So. Why bother? Sorcery. This question comes from uh, anonymous Peter Tragos. Why bother oh with Harry Potter if there's a ton of good Christian fantasy out there? Okay. A la Chronicles of Narnia. Do you want to go first or what do you want? Go for it, bro. We're not saying you have to read Harry Potter. Okay, or we can stop. That's I the am. answer. All right. Let's but we move. are saying that they're very helpful and beneficial among all that's helpful and beneficial. I would just say that there is good literature and some of that has been posted. For sure. But Harry Potter was written in a way that some would argue surpasses the quality of literature of a lot of others. And I would say, why limit yourself? Why not read every, like, I, I like oh. to be widely read. I like to be widely read. Yeah. Like, why? We yeah. talked about that. Yeah. So, Turn off the TV, pick up a book. To the, listen to the Bethel and okay. Hillsong episode for, oh that, for the correct answer with that. Harry Potter is much more theologically accurate than Bethel. Oh Amen. Okay. Aaron. Yes. Why? Uh, sorry. Should Christians support President Biden? Would some of you guys on this panel have preferred Hillary? On a few exchanges, that's kind of what it appeared. <laughs> Hello. I, I can answer this one for myself because go, go, I, Peter, I'm on this panel me. and I go, haven't go, answered go, any of yet. So absolutely not. Would I have preferred <laughs> Hillary? Actually, I would have preferred Biden to Hillary even back then when when Trump was becoming a thing. I, I would have preferred Biden to Hillary because he seems more reasonable, like a better human being since we talked about that. Like that's one of the things that's seemingly good about Biden is he seems like a good dude. I didn't necessarily think that about Hillary, like she's part of the Illuminati and doing all sorts of stuff and making people disappear like that, probably. But anyway, so no, I, I mean, I personally wouldn't have preferred Hillary to Biden. Would either of you guys? No. Look, I, I want to say one thing on this when this question came in. Um, one, I wouldn't have preferred Hillary to Biden. But I think that I think that we have been and I'm not talking politically as much as morally. We've been heading further down a trail over even since Obama came into office over the last 12, 15 years of where things that would have never been viewed as acceptable in society right. are now completely, and I'm talking moral issues. I'm not talking about big government or wealth distribution, anything like that. I'm talking literally uh, gender issues, transgender issues, LGBTQ, um, you know, things, things of this nature, abortion, where it's becoming much more acceptable now. And that is why 
we might be in an even more polarizing time now. Right. We you look back at Hillary. what Obama felt about traditional marriage exactly. and abortion. It, it was if nowhere you, near if anybody as listening liberal as it is reads, reads yeah. or listens yeah. to Obama's Father's Day speech in 2008. Wow. I mean, it was it was wow. like you you almost didn't recognize it 13 years later. And once again, I'm talking in the moral spiritual realm. I have nothing nothing to do with fiscal the political like money stuff. stuff. Yeah. yeah. Um, also, though, I would say this, and I just want to throw this in, and you guys might not agree. I personally think it is right and just as a Christian to call out bad policies on the part of our current president or our former president and bad behavior. But I personally don't think it's right for you can call me whatever. I don't think it's right to like make fun of him for his his loss of yeah, his uh, ability to speak, mental his, function, his, his fall, out of falling line. up the it's stairs. I, sure. I've heard so many Christians, yeah. especially in the conservative realm, making fun of that. It's and disrespect, which everybody was calling out office. about Trump when the exactly. same thing was happening. Like we're, we're called to honor those in authority. And so yeah. we don't have to agree with them, especially if it's anti-biblical, but to disrespect them and dishonor them and make fun of them, we're, we're not setting an example of humility and godliness before the watching world. Like, well, while at the same time, I'm praying for him. Oh yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah. Right. I pray that he falls all the way down the stairs. Yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah. Well said. All right. Uh, Adam, I don't love my spouse anymore. Now what? Is intimacy ever a reason to separate? No. Next question. Okay. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> so no, perhaps a question like that is a very modern question because in our modern culture, Intimacy and sex have been so highly elevated that the, the presence of it or the absence of it tends to make or break a lot of relationships in worldly terms. And if we're thinking biblical here, uh, sex is a God-given gift within the fireplace that he's ordained it to be in marriage that heats the house, that makes it comfortable, that uh, makes a family um, but it is by no means the only gift that God has given in marriage. And so, goodness, I mean, how, how would you apply this question to somebody who's handicapped? You can't. And they can still have a wonderful marriage. So I, I would say, depending on situation, you might need to go into some counseling. Right. Um but by there could no be means. deeper issues that right. exist that might sure. warrant separation. We're right. going to actually do an episode on divorce and remarriage this season. It's going to be coming up in the first four months. But there might be some, like, yeah. like when there is a total absence of intimacy, oftentimes, not always, but in a normative sense, there might be deeper issues there that need to be addressed that could end up warranting a separation. But I don't think intimacy alone, I, I think we agree on that, right. is not right. reason to separate. Yeah, well said. All right, we did get a question on the Should Christians Support Black Lives Matter episode. Can you guys discuss the church's response to racism in our country? Aaron kind of teased already. We're going to do an entire episode We're on gonna that. We're going to do an entire episode on that, two. on woke Christianity, and if there's any biblical traces within that, so... That'll be okay. coming up in season two. Yep. How far can I go with my boyfriend slash girlfriend? Uh, Adam, on the dating episode, what age would you say with somebody that has a million kids is appropriate for dating? Since short engagements are better, does that mean dating when only in a responsible place for marriage? Oh my gosh. There is so much. Can we all agree 30, 35 for our daughters? That's <laughs> yes. appropriate age? Yes. I'll just say this is a really simple isn't question. That, oh, right? The answer is just yes. Yeah. <laughs> Isn't yeah. that in, I, see, in James I see no reason at all. I've never in 20 years of ministry been given any reason why someone who's not ready or at least on kind of the verge of being ready for marriage should date. Like I, I see none. 
I, I think you're you're playing with fire once again. I think you're fooling around physically, emotionally, psychologically, once spiritually. I just don't see if you're if you're a sophomore in high school, junior in high school, there is sorry, there is no reason to date. Um, and parents can be like, oh, my child is going to do it, or a teen can be like, I'm going to do it, and they'll reap the whirlwind. And that's what I've seen over 20 years. Like, it just is not if, – if the if the goal is purity and striving after Jesus, be more like him, it distracts us, um, you know, in a dating relationship when, when my kid is in high school. My, I know that Peter's like, you're always changing, and I am always changing, but I can't <laughs> see a situation where my kids are going to date while they're in high school. Like, it just doesn't make sense. Wait, I, wait, wait, I wait, wait, wait. I, I can't, I and they that. will. I can't say, well, we'll so return, glad we're gonna do we'll life return together. 10 years, 10 <laughs> yeah. years from now for this justice. Yeah. Wait, so are you well, I, our kids I are dating, dating goodbye guy? He I'm, wants to be. For, not, he wants his kids to be. He's I'm not. not. No. I made I made mistakes, too. Like, I, I bear scars. We all bear scars. Sure. And I just, I don't. If somebody can present to me, maybe we can do an episode, me and you together, and you yeah. can present to me why it's why it is wise for a 16-year-old to date. I that's probably not gonna be my angle, but it would probably be maybe your response might be an overreaction to the error. Throwing the baby and the bathwater out again. It's, it's I, I the, agree. It's the I, baby in the baptismal pool. Okay, you're gonna be <laughs> I think this is one of the things, yeah. When you go too far, it ends up yeah. like your kid never being allowed to have a French fry, and then they go to college and it's like all oh, they eat a French fry. I, I, want my, I want my children to have friends of the opposite sex. I want them to hang out in groups. I have no problem. I want to encourage healthy. So I'm saying dating doesn't need to be like alone in your room together. It doesn't have to be well, dating. That's what I think has if you come for most people. Well, but I think you, that's the the mm. bigger problem is explaining your kids how to date. I mean, we should I, I be do. very Just slow. To make laws where the Bible doesn't make laws. Good, good, great. I but love it. But that doesn't mean we just go into things. But we should, we should apply abandon. biblical principles. For sure, for sure. Uh, All right. So I how, think there's a middle ground we can find here. Yeah, yeah. A middle earth. It'll take right. 45 minutes. <laughs> yeah, um, how would you counsel someone who has never been intimate before marriage, and then is super freaked out by intimacy once inside marriage? Give me counsel, Adam. Patience and love. Be patient with your spouse. This Wait, is, how, how would you counsel? I think this is asking for the person that is is choosing to be to not be intimate before marriage, but they're freaked out about going into marriage. Yeah. So they think maybe I need to get some practice before I get married. How would you oh, counsel that yeah. person? No. Not the reverse of the spouse to be <laughs> okay. patient, but the that was how I was hearing. Yeah, it. yeah. Um, no, bad idea. Fire belongs in the fireplace. If it's out of the fireplace, it burns the house down and destroys people. So you should um, not be freaked out. You should trust God that he knows better than you. That's what it you. comes down to. Well, that's really what it comes down to. Yeah. Do you believe what you actually say you believe? Yeah, that God knows better than you. Right. That's that's yeah. the ultimate question in this that that yeah. that the serpent in the grass is telling us we know better and just grab the fruit and eat it. It's going to taste good and you're going to know more after mm -hmm. and you're going to be experienced and cool after. Yeah. Knowing people that have gone through this, I would definitely say for the person that is freaked out and for the spouse who's trying to help and serve their spouse who is freaked out. Good counseling is really important in that because you're not just going to be like, trust God. Okay. Like our intimacy is, is getting back on track here. I think that there needs to be some, that they have a, a preconceived notion probably instilled from a parent or a pastor or, or some system of belief that sex is dirty and bad. Um, yeah. which is kind of how I grew up. Those, those uh, need to in, be in, dealt in a Baptist with. movement. Yeah. And I think that needs to be unearthed and just discussed with compassion, but also with expertise from a counselor. I also yeah. think this goes in the opposite direction, right? To counsel somebody that has had sex before marriage and they're freaked out that that's going to ruin their marriage sexual relationship. Maybe now they're a Christian or now they're not having sex and they're worried the same way. 
And, you know, I think the same answer, kind of what Aaron's saying is like counseling and talking through that. That's the most important thing. Like when you're looking for a spouse, we look for all these things, but being able to work through issues together is one of the most important things. Cause then you deal with this, all the, all the issues get worked out the same through talking, through working with each other, loving each other, trying to do what's best for your spouse and not just yourself. That's kind of how I think you answer all these questions. Cause it's not going to always be easy. And whether you, even if you both go into marriage without ever having sex, they're going to be issues with that or something else. Like you're two sinners getting married, right? right. So it's a, we just like What'd to focus on this one. Yeah. All right. So I saved this question for last since it was potentially the this most- is the last, last question? question? Dude, we're running wow, through. Wow, man. Unless we we can take some, some time on this one, then. Yeah, let's go. <laughs> well, I have a couple on this one because Adam was not on this episode. Oh, gosh. So I want to get his opinion first. Hmm. Then I want to talk through why you think this was such a big deal, right? So it was the homeschool versus public school oh. episode. Okay. Well, I, first off, where where do your kids go? Homeschool, private school, public school? Private school. Okay. So do you think that there is an actual biblical answer to this? Meaning one is, is doing what the Bible says and one is not. No. Okay. Aaron, what do you, what do you really, think? what do you think, Aaron? No, I think once again, it's so easy and I've seen it with comments coming out on the podcast. Are you going to answer the question? Yes, I am. No? Okay. <laughs> it's so easy to say the Bible never says X. So therefore Christians can't have a position on it. That is bogus. The Bible gives us principles that we put in place to form a biblical perspective on something. So we are, once again, this is in our episode for season two, we are going to have a couple of public school educators come in and talk us through, and they believe strongly that there is a biblically justified case for public education. And that's that's great. I said on the podcast, and I stand by it, that if there's no other option for a parent financially or um, just something has happened, or if they really feel convicted in their conscience that public school is where my kids need to be, and it's not just a cop-out, then that is between them and the Lord. And I don't stand in condemnation before them. But I do contend still, as much as I love the the 75% public school parents in our church, like I, I contend that it would certainly seem like a better option biblically, applying biblical principles to either, either choose Christian education or to educate in the home. What do you think? I, I think that's a wise idea, but I'm not going to make a law saying that it's sin to do public you school. You just picked up 75% of people from our church, man. Right? Because it, it's just, <laughs> it's sure, it's it's not uh, black and white in scripture. Sure, we get wise principles that we can take from these things, but if we do such things and then make laws about such things, we are a hair away from becoming Pharisees. Yeah. Very close. And not, not saying that you're doing that, but- some people do do this with that issue. I expect you to call me a dispensationalist at some point, not a Pharisee. Right, here we go. So, <laughs> no, not that. Name, yeah, name so, calling profanity on the podcast. <laughs> we also, on the other side, you know, not, not to say that public school is sin, but it, we should be wise enough to be aware that education is discipleship. Mm. And we should not be surprised if the public school system is discipling our kids, that our kids then look like the values being taught and put forth to them in school. Parents need to be parents. Wherever the kids go to school, Christian schools are full of bad kids and yeah, full we, of and bad we hit all teachers. That. Yeah, we hit all that on the podcast. We agree with you. Yeah, and being right. intentional as a parent, not just sending them off to public yeah. school, hoping for the best. For sure. Yeah. I, 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 w- I just want to say once more, I am not anti-public school. That's very important. <laughs> I don't think it is a sin to go to public school. I just think there needs to be careful consideration given. And the jury is still out in my mind as to can there be a biblical defense for, especially this is the best way, this is the best avenue 
And I think you would agree, Peter, because we've had a lot of conversations with friends who would try to convince us that public education is the best avenue. And I don't think they've convinced us yet of yeah, that. Be a, that'd be a hard one to do. Yeah, but I would but say. I we're going to see. Yeah, I, yeah, I don't think. Yeah, and I'll, I'm, I'm not easily convinced. So I'm, I'm not going to say yeah. maybe they can convince me. But <laughs> for sure, <laughs> I think that. Yeah, I would say absolutely. It's not a sin to send your kids to public school, like the farthest thing from that. And people came at that episode as if we were saying that. So we want to make that's why, you know, we're being sensitive about it. And sure. even Don Rice from the pulpit this week <laughs> called me out standing in the back Whoa. of church. But yeah, no, in no way, shape or form are we saying that sending your kids a, to public school is a sin at right. all. Right. I'm just saying we make decisions for our kids all day, every day. And me personally, after thinking about it, praying about it, you know, doing the research that I can do, seeing what it's like, using my own experience, which I think is a huge part of this, yeah. is each parent brings their own experience and background into this. That's just what I felt was the best decision for my kids. I think that's a, where I'm going to leave this. For my out. kids, I felt like it was the best decision. I personally think it's a cop-out for us to well, look sir. at people on a lot of these things where there's a lot of principles and say, as pastors, um, at the end of the day, you just decide. I, I don't think that's wise. I think we should be shepherding. And just because something isn't sin, is it the wisest choice? Is it... Um, could it very easily lead our children in a direction that is going to be detrimental to their souls? I think these are questions that we need to help people wrestle through because by and large, I don't know if people are wrestling through them there's themselves. Yeah. And that was Just one of the doing big what's things. most convenient, right? which exactly. is never a good option. And that's one of the biggest things we said is as long as you're praying about researching, thinking, and trying to do what's best for your kids. Talking to your pastor about Right. It. Then you're not in sin. Right. But if you're just being lazy or what's convenient, or I want to save money, even though I think that's the best or whatever it may be, yeah. those are all, those could be sinful reasons for whatever school you pick, right? You yeah. could pick private school for a sinful reason because you want to be one of the big shots and with all, keep up with the Joneses and whatever. Like that could be, you could be sending your kid to private school for sinful reasons, right? right. Or homeschooling because you just want the schedule or whatever. Like there are sinful reasons to do all of the schools. And just as another question kind of we got in or that I was hearing, in no way, shape or form, do we think sending them to any one of these three schools guarantees salvation? Never. Like that's no. obvious. Like anybody that would think we were saying that, that is not at all Current what we Institute were saying. of Education yeah, right. does guarantee salvation for your children. So. Uh, yeah. Yikes. So Yikes. Jo jo joking there. <laughs> Only Adam would believe that because he believes in infant baptism. So <laughs> All right. So Aaron. See that episode season two. Come on. So this guys. was fun. I feel like we got a lot of information. Yeah. Crash course. Yeah. A, lot was... of people's, a lot of people's uh, questions answered. For season two and beyond. What is going to be the format as far as question and answer? Are we going to do it more often? Or are we going to do it once at the end of the season? Is it still up in the air? What's the plan? Are I think we going to we'll do honestly, more of this? It'll be based on the feedback that we receive from, okay. from, from this from this train wreck. <laughs> um, it, uh, you know, do can't do help but look at do it. Do people like that? I mean, we had a lot of questions come in throughout the season, mm -hmm. and then even before we put out um, emails and and social media asking for more inquiries. And so, if if people receive this, if it's helpful for them, and look, I, I get it. Like some, a few people mentioned kind of in passing about ban we can't help but banter and kind of chat with oh, each other yeah. and I laugh. I realize and, how much of that went on this episode. <laughs> we like, like, that's just part of it. Like we just, we can't help it. That's part of having people on the podcast that we enjoy being around. You like to pick, you like to tease. I love both these guys. I love everybody who's been on the podcast. It's been, it's been incredibly fun to walk through this stuff. But if the Q&A is helpful for people, we will continue to do it more frequently than just at the end of the season. And realizing we can't take 20 minutes on every yeah. Q&A question, right? right? Yeah. Adam was much better at that than Aaron, but I'm sorry. Man. So sorry. that was fun. I feel like we got a lot done in we that episode. Lot, I feel done. like that we we went we went through that pretty easily. Yeah, so for sure. Thanks for being with us. If you have more questions, send them in. Where do they send them? 
Uh, I know they can post them on they, YouTube. Just info or at building28.com okay. is great. Info at building28.com. Send all your questions. You can address them to Jeffrey Singer, the Pope of Dope, the Sorcerer. <laughs> sorcerer. And that's it. We're all done. right. Till next time. Thanks for listening to Out of Odds. If you enjoyed this episode, share it with your friends and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or anywhere you listen. Out of Oz is produced by Building 28 Church and Podcast Royale. You can find out more about this show and Building 28 by visiting outofozpodcast.com. New episodes drop every Monday, and you can get each one automatically by subscribing in your favorite podcast app.